We're gonna jump into 1 John chapter five. Now look, I wish I could tell you that we're gonna wrap up 1 John chapter five today, but we're not. I already had the whole message planned out. It was all the way through chapter five, and as I was getting ready, um, had everything written, was typing it all up, and I got to one part, and God said, that's it. Cut it off. I was like, but God, I have worked another four hours on this other part. He said, nope, keep your mouth shut. You got it. So, type A personality, this really bothers me because starting next week, the month of October, we're, we're blocking out four weeks or four Sundays to where we're gonna be teaching through the pillars of, of who God has called us to be through the scriptures here at Chestnut Mountain, what our mission is and what God has called us to do because I know there's been such an influx of, of new families that I want you to know who, who God has called this place to be and, and, and where we are gonna be aligning with the vision and the mission that God has given us here. So those four weeks of October, we'll be looking at our four pillars um, and you'll understand what that is as we dig through those. Um, but then when we come back in November, we will jump right back in and end 1 John chapter five. Y'all okay with that? I don't really care if you're not because that's what the Lord's led me to do, so we're doing it, all right? So I love you though, remember that, okay? Remember that part. But you know, um, we always write letters or we write notes with a purpose. We're always trying to communicate things, we're always trying to confirm things and, um, and if you know anything about me because of my childhood, I can relate anything to a country song, okay, anything. And so when we think about a letter, I immediately go to George Strait, okay? Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? If you want to, you know, all those. Then at the end, I think this is how love goes. <laughs> Y'all cynical people. <laughs> Y'all listening to that crap? I'm just kidding. I do too. I do too. But it's check yes or no. He's wanting to confirm something. He's written a letter to confirm, does she love me or does she not? And so that's exactly kind of the gist of what John is doing in the letter of 1 John. He's wanting the believers to confirm something. He's wanting us to believe and confirm, do we believe Jesus and do we trust him as Lord? It's that simple. And he's written this letter so that we can confirm, can we check yes or no? Can we check yes or no in believing and trusting who Jesus is? And so I wanna start in verse 13. This is not where we're gonna be. This is kind of, I guess you could call this the thesis or the, or the, the highlight of the whole letter of 1 John. But look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I've written this letter, I've written all of these details so that you as a believer can know that you have eternal life. You know, one of the most helpless places to be in life is when we don't know something. How many times have we waited on an answer or we've waited on the results of something? We're waiting for that phone call. It's a miserable place to be to not know if the answer is yes or no. I think back to my childhood and, and being in the school days, and you can probably relate. I remember when you would take a test or, or you would take an exam, it was miserable waiting to find out what the results were, 
Brock yesterday, he was on his phone the whole day, and he says, I wish my teacher would hurry up and give me my grade. I'm like, buddy, your teacher's just a Saturday. Your teacher ain't grading no papers on a Saturday. But he was overwhelmed because he wanted to know the answer. He wanted to know what he made on his test. Or maybe you've tried out for some sports team, and man, you're just dying to know, did I make the team or not? Or maybe you were that middle schooler who passed the notes that had, check yes or no. No, maybe that was you. If you're like me, though, I always had that box at the bottom, maybe. So you're saying there's a chance. That was mine. I always wrote those because I, 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 I don't want to know at that moment. Just say maybe. Just keep hope alive. That's what I wanted to do. I don't really care if you do or you're not, but just help me believe that there's a chance. But maybe on a more serious note, maybe you're maybe even sitting here this morning waiting on the approval from a bank on a loan to buy a house. And man, you're just waiting. You're checking your email. Did I get approved? Are we gonna be able to do it? Or, or maybe you're waiting on some test results. Maybe you've had a biopsy done to see if it's cancer or not. Or maybe in this day and age, you're waiting on your COVID test. And I know some of you are going, they better not be here. They done been tested. They better stay at home till they get them results. I know what you wired. And if you're anything like me, I would rather know that the, if I'm desiring the answer to be yes, whatever the answer is, but I would rather go ahead and know that it's no, just so that I can deal with it, so I can learn to adapt and so that I can move on. But one of the most miserable places to be is in a season of life where you don't know. I remember from the ages of about 15 to 18, I was probably in the most miserable place what I now know in the season of life as a follower of Christ because I doubted my salvation. I was miserable because what I had been taught was everything, my salvation was based off a, a prayer that I prayed. And y'all have heard me talk. I can mess up some stuff. So I would lay at night, in bed at night going, God, did I pray the right words? Did I say the right thing? Did I do this right or did I do that right? And all of a sudden, I became so overwhelmed with my performance that I began to doubt my salvation. But truthfully, what I had lost was the idea that my salvation was taken care of on the cross. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with what I prayed. It had nothing to do with what I said. I've told you what I prayed. All I knew to pray was, God, save me. That's all I knew to pray. So I went through a season of my life where I was absolutely miserable. And as a follower of Christ, it paralyzed me. I knew that I was supposed to be sharing the gospel. I knew that I was supposed to be living out this life of Christianity. But wait a minute, I don't even know that, that I am saved. I don't know if I died today where I'm gonna end eternity, where I'll be spending eternity. I didn't know that because I was putting everything on me and my performance. And so the letter of 1 John is to help us understand that it's not about us. The letter of 1 John was written so that we can know that we have eternal life. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul challenges us with that. He says, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to examine yourself to see where you are in this journey as a follower of Christ. I want you to examine your own heart. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna spend some time looking back and kind of 
recapping some stuff that we've talked about thus far in, in 1 John, in this letter of 1 John. But what I love about the way that he begins this letter is he helps us to understand that our salvation hinges and is based off of Christ and Christ alone. It's all about him. If you remember, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This was week one. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you'll flip to Romans chapter 10, he kind of expounds on this. Paul does in his letter. Listen what he writes here to the Romans. In chapter 10, this is a verse that you're probably all familiar with. A large majority of you probably have this memorized. But it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call on him. Verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we see here that salvation is achieved only through our confession, our repentance, and our surrender. Our confession, our repentance, and our surrender. So as we examine our hearts today, as I ask you to examine your heart right now in this moment, has there been a time in your life where you have confessed yourself as a sinner, you've repented of those sins, and you've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you confessed? Have you repented? And have you surrendered? And if the check box on that list is no, I love you enough to tell you that you're not a child of God. Matter of fact, according to the book of Romans chapter five, verse 10, we are declared an enemy of God before we confess, before we repent, before we surrender. So where are you at in that journey? Have you confessed? Have you repented? And have you surrendered to him as Lord? Now look, I know that's probably the most difficult one that all of us, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit has already revealed to you the way that he did me. That yeah, I've confessed, I've repented. But man, surrendering to his Lordship, surrendering to his authority is a tough thing to do. Because you see, to surrender to him as Lord, that when we look at the word Lord, that means that you're giving yourself up to him as owner, that you're giving him complete control. You're allowing him to be your master. Is he your authority? And if we wanna use 1 John as the litmus test of that, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, if he is your authority, can I tell you, if you have surrendered to that, it's a guarantee you will begin to look different. You will begin 
to look different. You'll begin to act different. You'll begin to talk different. You'll begin to walk different. Because there is a difference when we meet the way maker. There is a difference when we confess, when we repent, and when we surrender. Because up to the point of our surrender to him, we're surrendered to our flesh. So we walk like the world, we talk like the world, we act like the world. But until we surrender to the lordship of God, there's gonna be no change. There's gonna be no difference. So has there been a difference? Now look, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the one to stand up here and tell you that you can check the bot, yes or no. That's not my job. But I will tell you that if you can go back on your life and you can think back through your journey of, of maybe it was at a camp or maybe it was at a Disciple Now weekend or, or, or maybe it's even in, in a church service. I don't know what it may be like, but if you said, well, you know what? I came forward, I prayed a prayer, I filled out this card, I did that. Can I tell you right now, I do love you enough that if there was no life change after that moment, I would question if you've ever surrendered to his lordship. Have you ever surrendered to the authority of the word of God. And if there's been no change, I would want you to examine your own heart and say, hey, you know what? I came forward, I did this or I did that, but I've never surrendered to him. I've never surrendered to the lordship and the authority of God. But if you have, you will know and I wish I could say that it was all just a bed of roses and just a beautiful walk in a field. But let me go ahead and tell you, when you become a follower of Christ and you surrender to that lordship, the reason that you begin to look different, to begin to act different, to begin to walk different, is because now you are overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit and now the spirit that lives in you is contradictory to the spirit of this world. And so therefore, the sin that you were previous living in before you met Jesus, before you were walking with Christ, all of a sudden that spirit living in you makes you very uncomfortable. Because the spirit that is now taking residence in your soul does not line up with the sinful nature of this world. And so when you continue to try to participate in all of the worldly events that you used to, now all of a sudden, this is why you don't sleep. This is why you're unsettled. This is why you're restless. Because the spirit of God is not allowing you to stay comfortable in the nastiness and the sin of this world. And that's hard. Because man, it feels good, it's fun. But if you remember a few weeks ago, the things of this world will not last. But not only will you know there's a difference, so will everyone else around you. So will everyone else around you. Jesus even speaks to that in, in the gospel of John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, by this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So not only will we know that there's been life change, but those that we come in contact with, those that we work with, those that we sit in class with, those that we see on the streets, they will know that there has been a life change. Not because we have gotten better, but because we've had an encounter with an almighty God. Look at Paul's testimony. 
It's the simplest testimony to outline, and I know I reference it all the time. But we know that before Christ, he was a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. He encountered Christ, and then I think we can all agree that his life was forever changed. You see, you can't encounter the Savior and not be changed. You can't encounter the Savior and not be changed. Now, look, I understand, and I want you to hear me when I say this. When you surrender to the lordship of God, when you surrender to the authority of this word, when you surrender to the teachings of this word, you will not be perfected. You're still gonna make mistakes. You're still gonna fall flat on your face. There's gonna be days that your flesh speaks louder than we're allowing to hear the Holy Spirit and we've surrendered to our flesh. It's gonna happen. But remember what we read in chapter two, verse one? Y'all remember that in chapter two, verse one? He says this, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. John's saying, look, I love you enough that I don't want you to sin. But then here's the beautiful part of that verse. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ. So even when we make mistakes, even when we fall into our flesh, even we fall flat on our face, remember that because of your salvation is through him and him alone, you now have an advocate who is going to pat to the heavenly father because of you. And he says, that one's paid for. That one's paid for. He's already trusted me. She's already trusted me. They surrendered to my lordship. They messed up, but that one has already been paid for. So man, what a powerful verse there that we have an advocate. And so what John begins to do in 1 John chapter five, which is where we're at now. I know it took us a long time to get there, but he's gonna kind of sum up kind of the highlights of this litmus test that we've been talking about as a follower of Christ. Read with me in verses one and two of chapter five. John writes, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. You know, verse two has a lot of layers that we could really spend a lot of time and just keep peeling back stuff, but we're not gonna spend a lot of time there, but I love how he says, by this we know. By this we know. What do we know? We know that we love God. And the way that we know love, we love God is by the way that we love other people, but then also that we observe his commandments, which is where we're gonna kind of land in just a minute. But when he talks about that idea of loving other people, you know, several weeks back, I think it was week three into this study of 1 John, Jared preached on love. He preached on what loving like Christ looked like. Then the following week, we kind of repeated it. We talked about what loving others looked like. And we even looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind. And we looked at all of the criteria of what perfect love looks like. And I remember that God really showed me, he raked me over the coals that week because I realized every area of my life that I don't love very well in. But he says that the world will know us by the way that we love others. The more we love like Christ, the more they will see Christ in us and through us. But today we're gonna to focus on the second thing that he just mentioned. Not only will we know that we love him by what? By the way we love people, 
but that the fact that we observe his commandments. Now, I looked up the word observe, and just truthfully speaking, in my version, observe is a pretty light word when it means what they're actually writing about. Because observe, I'm thinking, man, I can stand back at a distance and I can just look at them guys. I can just sort of stand back and look at a distance at this word of God. I, I can, you know, just keep it at arm's length because, man, there, there's some stuff that I still like to participate in. So I can just observe it. I keep it over here. But when you look at what the definition observe means, it means to do or to commit to. There's no playing around there. As a follower of Christ, we will know that we love God by the way that we love others and the way that we do his commandments, the way that we commit ourselves to the teachings of God's word, the way that we apply God's word to our life, the teachings that we follow. And now look, I know that for some of you, maybe even here or maybe at home this morning, you're sitting there going, and that reason alone, is why this whole Christianity thing's not for me. I don't like all these rules. I don't like all these regulations. I don't like all of these things that he's even commanding me to do. You know, I got news for you. Maybe that is hard for you to wrap your mind around because like, I get it. We're living in a world right now where there are more rules to follow than we've ever experienced. I go into Walmart, grocery store. I don't even know which aisle to walk up. I've got to follow arrows. And then we get out of the car. And as soon as we get out of the car, all my kids want to do, Daddy, do we got to wear a mask in here? I said, I don't know. Just stick it in your pocket. And so we do the civil thing and we get to the door and we all strap them up. But the second we walk in and my kids see somebody without one, they take that sucker off. So we've been introduced to so many new rules. We've been so introduced to, do we do this or do we not do this or do we do this? And just to be honest, it's exhausting because we all want to do the right things. We all want to respect where everyone's at, but it gets overwhelming when we don't know exactly what rules are supposed to be applied here, they're supposed to be applied here, what do we do? And so when we even think about the fact that as a follower of Christ, that I must listen to the commandments of God, that I must submit to his teachings, whew, that can be exhausting. So if you don't like that, you're not gonna like verse three. Look at what verse three says. And this one right here has blown me away this week. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Whew. Rules are burdensome. But as a follower of Christ, we're not only called to submit to his authority, to abide by his commandments, but we're called to do it without it being a burden. And if you're like me, you're like, how in the world do I ever get there? 
How do I ever get to a place where I can look at the teachings of God's word as not a burden? Because man, when I read this, it becomes a burden because I see all the places that I fell. I see all the mistakes that I make. And, and, and this is a burden because I don't have it in me to do all that God's word says. So how in the world do I get there? How do I get to a place where being obedient is not a burden? You know, I'm a very simple-minded guy. I mean, we introduced with check yes or no. Doesn't get any simpler than that. And so as I was studying and I was praying about this, um, God helped me see it, I think, the way that he wants us to see it this morning. You know, just the other day, we were at some friend's house, and, um, and we were up on the back deck of their house, and there were some kids in the backyard. Cooper was standing up on the deck, and they were throwing a football back and forth, back up onto the porch and back down. And all of a sudden, him being 11 years old, you can imagine what he started doing. He's on the rail of the porch, so what's he start doing? And so as a dad, I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to try to be the cool dad right now because I know he's having fun. But all I'm seeing right now is those, him going feet overhead and in here and, and that don't end so well. And so what do I do as a dad? Cooper, stop! Very loving and gingerly, right? <laughs> stop! And you know what he does in the mind of an 11-year-old? Why? And then I said the most spiritual thing I could ever think of. We got one parent that's like me. No, why? That's what we all say. Because I said so. Now Brock's on this kick where he rides this little souped up skateboard that's got one wheel. I couldn't even ride the one that had four, much less the one that has one big one in the middle. And so me as a dad, guess what I do? Now Brock, where's your helmet? I've become that dad. I mean, literally, my helmet, when I got on a four-wheeler when I was little, was my hat turned on backwards. I didn't even own a helmet. But now, my kids have got to wear helmets. Yeah, I'm that fun sucker. And so I'll look at Brock, and I'll say, Brock, put your helmet on. Why? Because I said so. And you know, I think a lot of times that's our perspective of the Word of God and the teachings of this Scripture. God, why do I submit to that? Why am I supposed to live by these scriptures? And we think in our mind that God's sitting up on his angry throne in heaven and he's going, because I said so. But that's not at all the God that I serve. And so what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart is, what if I begin to respond differently to my kids? I can still say, stop. But what if when Cooper says, Daddy, why? What if I looked at him and I said, because I love you? Brock, put your helmet on. Why? Because I love you. Because as a dad, I want to protect. I want to nurture. I want to love my children by helping them to see what they can and can't do because I know what the possibilities are that they may be facing. Can I tell you that your heavenly father has given us commandments in his word because he loves you enough to tell you he loves you because he knows how it can go? There's a reason that we are to walk between this guideline and that guideline because our heavenly father loves us enough to keep us there. 
He knows that in the end there's coming addiction. He knows that there's coming destruction. He knows where all of the roads that you want to play with go. And he's saying, look, just abide by my commandments because I love you. I love you. And I know the hall kids well enough to know that if I started responding that way, they're going to realize how much daddy loves them and they're going to submit without question. They may not understand it. They may not even like what I'm instructing them to do. But in the back of their mind, they're saying, you know what? Daddy's telling me that not because he said so, but because he loves me. So what has the Holy Spirit even revealed to you in this moment? Because this is what I love. I know he's already speaking. There's some things in your life that you know that you are living in conflict to what the word and the authority of God's word is telling you to do. Because you're uncomfortable. And the reason I know you're uncomfortable is because I was uncomfortable all week reading it. Because God was showing me all of the areas of my life that I'm not submissive to his authority. That I'm not surrendering to the love that I can't even comprehend. But the more we realize the Father loves us, the more willing we are to submit to his direction, to his authority, and to his teachings. It's very similar to what we talked about last week when we talked about fear. You know, we talked about conquering fear, and we said we don't conquer fear by becoming fami more familiar with what causes the fear. But we conquer fear by becoming more familiar with the one who cast it out. That's how we conquer fear. And so in light of these commandments of observing them and them not being a, a burden, we don't follow his commandments by becoming more familiar with a list. But we follow his commandments by becoming more familiar with his love. That's how we learn to follow the teachings of God's word. It's not that we create some checklist of do's and don'ts. But all I'm asking you to do is crawl up in the father's lap, grab a hold of the father's hand. And guess what? You're going to start discovering how much God loves you. That all of a sudden you find it simple and easier and more being more submissive because you better understand his love. The closeness to the father changes everything. The closer you walk with him changes everything. And I'll just tell you what God revealed to me and how he simplified this in my mind. I started questioning all the places that I know that I'm disobedient. I started questioning all the areas of my life that I don't submit. And as the Holy Spirit kept revealing, I was, I was asking him to forgive me. I was begging him to forgive me. And so the question that he laid on my heart for me, now this is me. You can take it or leave it. But is my disobedience to the word of God just simply a lack of understanding his love for me? Is my disobedience to the scriptures and the teachings and the commandments of God 
Are they just simply a lack of understanding his love for me? And for me, I believe it is. Because when I find it the hardest to surrender, it's when I'm the farthest away from him. But man, when I'm walking arm in arm with him, when I'm walking hand in hand with my Savior, I realize how much he loves me and it's a little easier to surrender because I'm in the presence of him. I'm holding that nail-scarred hand and understanding that that hole was for me. Man, when I can feel that, when I can see that, That's a love worth following. That's a love worth listening to. The closeness to the Father changes everything. The closer we are to the Father, the less fearful we are. The closer we are to the Father, the more surrendered we live. And John closes it out. Well, he doesn't close it out, but I'm going to in verse four. He gives us all the more reason as to why we surrender to this love. Why we surrender to this authority. Look at what verse four says. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. As a follower of Christ, that's you. That's me. Because we're born of God, we can overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Are you ready? Here it is. This is the victory that overcomes the world. The victory is not found in how perfect we are. The victory is not found in how many times we go to church. The victory is not found in how good of a Christian I appear to be. But the victory is found in those two words, our faith. The victory is in our faith. But when our faith is in Him, when our faith is in Him, we've confessed, we've repented, and we've surrendered. We have victory by trusting the finished work at Calvary. It's the only way we have victory. And to be honest, I wanna follow the one who wins. And yesterday when it was seven to five at halftime, man, that was difficult to do. I don't know if I was watching the Braves or a college football game. But man, believer, can I tell you, you win. Your victory is because of your faith in Him. Your victory is because of your faith. So as you examine your heart this morning, the first way I want you to examine your heart is to simply ask, you, is to simply ask yourself this. Have you confessed? Have you repented and have you surrendered? Have you confessed, have you repented, have you surrendered? And if you haven't, you're probably uncomfortable today. 
and I am thankful you are. You can be mad at me later, but I have prayed that God would make you miserable right now in this moment. Because the simple fact the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. And it's time to wave the white flag. And it's time to say, I can't do this anymore on my own. I've got to surrender. I've got to place my faith in him. And so this morning, if that's you, I'm encouraging you. When we give this time of response, I want you to meet me here. Or I want you to have a conversation with God in your seat. And now look, I'm not comparing a conversation with me and a conversation with God. I just wanna show you from God's word what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now maybe this morning you're just simply a, a believer and maybe you're like me. You say, well, Brian, I know I've, I know I've confessed. I know I've repented, but, but Brian, I struggle with this surrender. Can I go ahead and tell you right now, you're gonna, sur- you're gonna struggle with that surrender from now to the day you take your last breath here. But guess what? You have an advocate and his name is Jesus. And so this morning, if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit has revealed to you areas of your life that you need to be set free from, if he's revealed to you areas of your life that you haven't surrendered, I encourage you this morning, this altar is representation of sacrificing whatever that is and lay it on this altar and leaving it. Man, I watched Tuesday night at CR. I watched young men and women who understood freedom like I don't even know that I understand freedom. There was no shame in their worship because the chains have been broken. They've been set free. And the only thing that has done that is their faith. So maybe this morning, if you've been set free, you need to worship like you've never worshiped because we're about to sing a song that I'm pretty sure everybody in this room knows. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. So I want you to stand to your feet right now and I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as God's leading you. If he's calling you to salvation today, surrender. Ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Surrender it to him. Surrender it to him. But I ask you as a believer, what do you need to lay on this altar this morning? Lay it here and leave it here. God, I pray that as your spirit moves in this room, God, that we would remove, that we would move in response to that. Have your way. Have your way right now. God, don't let pride keep people in their seats. Let the walls of pride crumble right now in this moment. And we ask this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.